to the Healing Grief Podcast with Catherine Churchill and regularly joined by a variety of different guests, all helping you travel through your journey of grief. Hi everyone, it's Catherine Churchill and today I'm joined by special guest Alex Sapola to speak with you all about grief and the grief around losing parents. Having lost both parents by age 15, Alex grew up with grief and has now made it her personal mission to demystify grief and help others toward living an authentic life of wholeness that makes space for both loss and joy. Alex is a writer who has written many helpful articles for those grieving and is currently in the process of writing her first self-help book. So welcome to the show, Alex. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I guess I wanted to begin a little bit um, with your journey um, through grief and I guess losing your parents at such a, a young age. So did you want to talk to my listeners a little bit about that? Sure, I can share a little bit of my story. So when I was eight years old, um, my father was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Um, and he died only three months later. It was very rapid and aggressive. Um, and so then it was just me and my mother and my sister, who's 11 years older than me. And um, I think that it was about 11 months later that my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. So at that point, um, you know, we were still very much reeling from the loss of him and then sort of adapting again to this new life of her being sick. So she lived um, much longer than he did with her diagnosis. She lived about six years. Um, at one point she went into remission and then um, at some point it came back and had gotten much worse. Um, and I think that it was about... Um, a couple of weeks before my 15th birthday, I had just started high school. Um, things, things picked up very rapidly. She went to the doctor and um, she had been having some concerning symptoms. And I think she had really been in decline. But I, as a 14 going on 15 year old, really didn't, um, didn't notice that. And I think I was so accustomed to being around people who were sick that it didn't even register to me that she was in decline. So when she met with her oncologist, they essentially gave her a month to three months to live and she died exactly a week after that appointment. So it was interesting because her being sick was um, something that took place over such a longer period of time than my father. Um, but at the same time, the ending was felt very abrupt and shocking. Um, and so my sister, who was 26 at that time, became my legal guardian. And, um, you know, I think that we just sort of took care of each other and um, really just forged ahead. And, and we're very, um, I think all you can really do, especially in that very early part of grief, is just look forward and just look ahead. And um, my big goal was to get out of my small hometown in Massachusetts and wanted to go to college in New York City. And I think that my real goal was to kind of shed this identity that I felt that I now had, which was that of an orphan. Um, growing up in such a small town, everybody knew the story, not in my own words, just kind of, um, you know, word of mouth. And um, people were very kind, but it's something that you don't want to be immediately identified as necessarily, especially when you're 
a teenager and you're trying to figure out who you are and it feels like you're kind of being assigned this this whole story to you that you didn't ask for. So um, I did a pretty good job of trying to blend in and, and be normal, whatever that means, and um, lived in New York, where I still live now, and went to college. And um, it really was not until the night before my college graduation that uh, I think that I just had such a renewed wave of grief that um, I hadn't totally confronted before came up in a very new way for me where I couldn't quite place it. I didn't understand why I was so, um, why I was so upset because I had family in town for the graduation and, you know, it felt like a very happy moment at the same time. Um, whenever those milestones come up, it makes you realize who's not there, who's absent is so apparent to you in a way that you can sort of ignore maybe in the rest of your daily life that you just can't. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of me starting to talk about it. And I went on a retreat a few months later um, for motherless daughters. And it's hosted by Hope Edelman and Claire Bidwell-Smith. Um, they usually do them, I think that they've done them um, on both the East and West Coasts in the U.S. Um, and that was a really great experience that kind of cracked me open and just furthered my process. Um, of me really starting to not only um, write about grief as a way to explore it, but also to connect with other people and how powerful and moving it is to um, meet people who know your experience. And then, you know, that kind of led me on to turning to social media to see how I could maybe foster more community. So that's, that's my short, mm -hmm. my short and long of my story. Wow. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously there's all different kinds of grief. Um, so what would, I mean, for somebody who's lost their parents, what, I know that many things from what I've read, there can be many things that come up specifically from parent loss, for example, um, a child, I guess, no matter what age, even an adult can feel abandoned, um, so there's definitely many different things that come up for parent loss. So what about for you? What, what can you see, you know, that separates you from other types of grief? Hmm. I think that, of course, being, you know, being a child, being an, an eight-year-old and a, um, you know, 14 going on 15-year-old, I can see how different um, even those two losses that I've experienced are from each other because of how the age plays into it and sort of your perception of the world at that time. Um, and of course the loss of a parent when you're, you know, a child or a teenager means the loss of the person who is um, somebody that you rely on a lot. So, you know, I can't speak to the experience of having no one um, because I had my sister um, right. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm sure for some people, they're really lost without yeah. anyone. Um, and, uh, really... Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And, uh, sorry. I keep interrupting you. No, no, I've got no. a bit of a delay. Um, I was just going to say also, I guess, as you know, your own identity as well. I think that there's a big loss of mm -hmm. identity when losing a parent 
Mm. Absolutely, because especially when you're when you're very young, um, you don't really have a sense of identity yet. So what do you know about your life? You know these these hopefully you have at least one or two you know primary caretakers, um, and that forms so much of who you are. So when that those people are gone. Um, and, you know, and I think I've probably felt a little bit that way as a child after my father died, but I think there's something about the experience of being orphaned that really brings that, um, really brings those existential questions to the forefront. And I was only 15 and really asking myself these questions. Who am I? Um, you know, what's the point of all of this? Why would they come and bring me into this life only to leave so soon after and not get to see that life that I would live that they gave me? Um, so yeah, I think that identity is something that is a tricky part of sort of, you know, walking through and examining in, in parent loss. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You obviously, from a young age, I, you obviously have done a lot of, I guess, self-exploration and um, you've, I think, you know, judging by your Instagram account and what you write, you've very much come to a place of, I guess, somewhat acceptance and understanding. So how would you, um, I guess, maybe explain to some of my listeners who are not in that space yet of understanding after losing a parent, and also no matter what what age that they've lost a parent um, as well? Yeah. I think that, and I think this is something that goes for any loss of anyone. Um, it's something that can't be ignored. And that's not to say that in that very early, early grief that you should be diving in and trying to understand it all. You know, to some extent, there are things that just aren't understandable. We try to make sense of grief, but sometimes it just doesn't make sense. There's no reason that these things really happen. Um, so I think that in that early part of grief, it's just about getting through the day, really. It's just about surviving. And then I think at some point it's about starting to step back and look at the effects that it's had on you and, and um, be open to exploring that because I think that when we suppress it and when we maybe treat a major loss as something that was just a small part of our lives that didn't carry too much weight and that we can just move on from, um, I think that those inevitable waves of grief that we have will just totally knock us over. So the more that you sort of sit with it in whatever way that makes sense for you, for some people it's writing, maybe for others it's, it's visual art, um, and I think definitely seeking out community and talking about it, um, you know, that's where you can kind of learn to um, examine it in such a way that when those waves of grief come that, that are sort of inevitable, it's not that you will ever not be affected by them, but you can sort of ride the wave rather than being completely blindsided by it because you weren't really paying attention to the grief inside of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was actually reading something on your Instagram that you had posted some time ago, and it was about the five stages of grief. And I guess, you know, I have spoken about them on the show before, and there's no doubt that they are helpful for some. Um, but 
something interesting you said on your Instagram account was that they were actually developed from the author who was working with terminally ill patients and not those in grief um, over their loved ones passing. And I thought that was really interesting because I didn't know that because I do know a lot of people still go by the, those five stages of grief. So, mm. yeah. And I, and I understand why people do. I think that, I think that there's so much disbelief in, in early grief um, and in some ways forever. I sometimes still can't believe that this is the reality. Um, so I understand people reaching out to whatever, you know, whatever guide that they can find. And if it works for people, it works for people. I do think some people look at that, those steps and say, um, you know, that one doesn't apply to me or that one happened before this one. Um, I know people in particular will say that the bargaining part doesn't totally fit for them, but that's where you could really see how somebody facing their own death may feel that they could bargain. So I think it, it can be helpful for sure, but I think it's just about remembering that you may experience all of those different stages at the same time or some of them before others, or maybe some of them are, you know, more prominent than others. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing um, I did see on your Instagram account was about not spiritually bypassing grief. Now, I thought this one was interesting um, because I, I see a lot of this and I see a lot of it within my own work as well. Um, people do the same work that I do. And I guess, you know, hearing it's God's plan or was meant to be um that's you know everything happens for a reason yeah I feel like that's really I I don't know it's got on my nerves for some time now um and I was really glad that you wrote about that on Instagram mm. yeah, that that really resonated with people and I and I sort of I, I can't remember what I what sort of um question I asked, but I, I did sort of call in people to let me know if that resonated with them because um, I see statements like that, you know, even outside of um, discussions about grief, just in general, people saying everything happens for a reason. And I think sometimes those, again, those are things that may be for some people very mm -hmm. comforting. But I think that when you put it in the context of grief, it's, you know, how could there ever be a reason for that to exactly. happen? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that we're so wired to always be seeking to understand things and to make sense of things. And one of the scariest things in life is to maybe sit with the reality that some things don't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to, you know, if that's your belief that, um, you know, the people that you've lost in your own life were, that was part of some plan from higher power, that that's, you know, your right to feel that way. But to, to just not um, project that onto other people's experience because that could be hard. Well, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, you're entitled to believe what you like as long as you don't project that um, onto another's grief. And, um, you know, with that being said, have you, I, I'm pretty sure you actually put this on your Instagram as well in that you have felt your parents around you spiritually and so I guess where for you I mean where does that come in where do signs receiving signs from them maybe from the other world or feeling them or, or sensing them around where does that fit in to I guess within your grief hmm. if that makes sense 
it does yeah so um I personally have gone to see a medium before and I had a really great experience and that's why I wanted to talk about spiritual bypassing because I am a spiritual person actually um and I kind of wanted to to shine a light on that as being a problem within something that is not all bad um spirituality in grief I think is uh, really powerful I know that it might not exist for some people, but I think that for those that it does um, and who maybe feel tapped into something where they still feel that connection, um, it's sort of, for me, something that just kind of sits there in the back of my mind. Like, I just sort of know that they're around. And especially, I think I I had written something about um, when I'm in moments of just pure celebration where I'm really happy. Um, even though those moments are always kind of tinged with sadness because they're not there. Um, in some ways, I almost feel even a deeper emotional connection to them. So, and, and I have felt signs and things like that, but I think even, even in the absence of those, it's just a, almost like a strengthening of an emotional closeness that, you know, I, I'm not I'm totally sure if it would have been that same way if they were here. That's a good point. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it might be just maybe I wouldn't, you know, maybe if they were here, I would take them for granted and I wouldn't quite uh, spend as much time thinking about them and what they meant to me and um, who they were. So I think maybe I feel a little more connected to the truth of all of that. And that's what Mm. makes me feel close to them now. Yeah. And you have so many quotes and writing on your Instagram. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I love all your writing. And people can find you at Grief Uncovered on Instagram. And they can just click on uh, the link that's in your profile and be taken to your articles. And um, you are writing a book at the moment too. So did you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, so I am just wrapping up a um, book proposal workshop and um, sort of just finalizing all of that and hoping to seek out an agent. But I am hoping that I can form a group of people who will be interested in reading the book as it develops. So I really um, take a collaborative approach with all of this. And community and grief has been so important to me that I would really love to Um, be able to share excerpts from the book that I'm writing and get feedback from people who have known that experience, um, see what really lands with them and what resonates with them. So um, if people follow the link in my bio on my Instagram, they will be taken to um, an option to opt into my email list. And when you opt into my email list, you'll receive a few different offerings from me, but that will include um, at some various points more information about the book. Okay. Sounds great. I can't wait to see your book. Yeah. I know that you bring a lot of knowledge on grief for people. Yeah. So do you have anything else that you'd like to say to my listeners before we go? About parent loss or grief? Yeah, I would just say... I would just say make space for it, make space for all of it. When you make space for grief, when you lean into that, you actually make space for all of the good things in your life. I really do believe that. 
um, but also know that you don't have to work on understanding your grief every single day. You can take breaks from it too. That's true. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining this podcast and thanks everyone.